there, and welcome to Deep North, the Iceland Review podcast where we share stories from Iceland. I'm Greta Sigríður Einarsdóttir, editor of Iceland Review, and I'm here with journalist Erik Pomranke, who has been reading and writing about Strato lately, the Reykjavik bus system. It made headlines last fall when it was revealed that the company was having budget issues so severe that they required emergency bailouts from the municipality owners. So, the bus system. How does it work? Is it working? And where is our night bus? Welcome, Eric. Hi. So, I feel like all we hear about Strato recently are cutbacks. Um, could you start by telling us a little bit about the most recent spare of cutbacks? Yeah, so in the spring of 2022, in a budget report, uh, Strato uh, announced pretty significant um, budget deficits of around uh, 750 million kroner, which is about 5.3 million USD or 4.9 million euros. Uh, later, they would actually revise that then in September of 2022 to be about double those figures. Um, so in light of these budget deficits, uh, we've seen cutbacks in several areas, uh, including service reductions. So for instance, the night bus, uh, which has been, um, you know, I mean, a rather uh, hot topic, I guess, in Reykjavik, uh, also becoming a major campaign promise uh, in uh, municipal elections here in the city. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, I think that, uh, like, all of this is kind of happening against the background of the energy transition, politicians kind of talking increasingly about decentering the private automobile from daily life. Um, and, you know, so you would maybe think that uh, against this background that we might see a kind of increased support for public transportation. But of course, uh, all of these budget deficits are also uh, coming out of COVID-19, right? Uh, so we have this kind of big mixture of the energy transition, budget cutbacks, reduced services right now that have kind of led to uh, this moment with a little bit of uh, displeasure with Strato. Right. Um, and I mean, it should be noted that the uh, city officials are working on a new addition to the public transportation system in the city called the Borgalina, which is another yeah. topic that we will not be able to cover um, in one episode. Uh, so how is it looking until we get the Borgalina, which won't be for a couple of years now at least? Yeah, so some of the service reductions that we've seen are, again, uh, cutting of the night bus uh, it returned for a kind of pilot program i believe in july through september uh, was the test period um it averaged uh ridership numbers of about 14 to 16 passengers uh per trip for a total uh served ridership of about 300 to 350 or so uh per weekend uh, according to strato these numbers uh kind of fell below the threshold of what was acceptable for the cost of running the program um, and additionally, you think how many people there would have been sufficient if 15 people on one bus? Yes. <laughs> um, 300 to 350 people uh, also represent 300 to 350 saved taxi rides, presumably. Um, and and, and this coincides with the post-COVID crisis in, in taxi services in Reykjavik as well, right? Yes, exactly. And I mean, definitely also in a time when we're thinking a lot about emissions, uh, you know, we're thinking about maybe... 300, 350 drives that just don't need to happen. Um, to some ears, uh, 300 served riders uh, is actually rather good. <laughs> um, and yeah, so then some of these uh, price hikes were also 
some of the largest ones uh, just in recent history. Before, uh, just a single ticket was about 490 kroner. Uh, now it sits at 550. And this 12.5% uh, increase uh, is across the board for all uh, monthly annual tickets uh, and also student, adult, and uh, for the elderly. Mm. Do you have a rough number of what that is in uh, dollars for our international uh, listeners? Yeah, so uh, 490 kroner, now 550, you know, this would be 4 or 5 USD, similar amount in euro. And currently a monthly ticket would be 9,000 kroner, which is about 63 USD, 60 euro. Um, and that was increased from 8,000 kroner where it's at previously. Mm. And it's worth noting just briefly that uh, the monthly ticket is kind of by far uh, the most popular option with, uh, with Reykjavik residents. So... You mentioned uh, electric buses uh, briefly. Um, I know recently Environment Minister Gullur Thor brought buses into the discussion when talking about pollution in city environment and, and diesel pollution uh, specifically. What's the status of uh, electric vehicles within the Reykjavik city bus fleet? Yeah, so this conversation was kind of reignited recently. Um, there was this environmental report that came out that basically said that within the first two weeks or so of the new year uh, that certain thresholds for pollution within the capital area had already kind of exceeded their total acceptable annual levels. And so, of course, this kind of reignited a certain discussion about emissions, emissions within city limits. Um, and one of the culprits that was kind of pointed out were older diesel vehicles. Um, some people uh, interpreted the minister's statements as kind of critiquing public transit as contributing excessively to the emissions. But having talked with some uh, Strato board members, I think that everybody would agree that the bus fleet does need an update. So obviously public transit isn't overwhelmingly responsible for these emissions, but I think that everybody does agree that an electric fleet is the direction that uh, we need to be moving forward towards. Um, right now, the Strato fleet consists of around uh, 160 vehicles, very few of which at this moment are electric. Uh, however, in the coming months, we're expecting to see around 25 new EVs in the bus fleet. And unfortunately, um, Strato was actually well underway to um, electrifying a large part of its fleet before covid um, there was around 600 million uh, kroner uh, earmarked for electric buses. So um, what happened to that money? Yeah, so going into COVID-19, uh, the state was assessing different organizations' uh, kind of financial health uh, to kind of assess the level of support that they were going to uh, require throughout the pandemic. And unfortunately, uh, this kind of excess liquidity uh, that, Strato had earmarked uh, for the future electric electrification of their fleet uh, meant that the state uh, kind of deemed Strato um, in rather a better place than it really was. And so because it had this, uh, these cash reserves, it didn't kind of get the same level of support throughout COVID-19 uh, that it might have gotten. And so as Strato weathered the pandemic and it kind of blew through these cash reserves, um, now, coming out of the pandemic, um, the electric buses seem a rather further way away than uh, before the pandemic. So many people have been calling for increased subsidies from the government um, for Strato. Um, why is that? 
Well, uh, I would maybe highlight uh, two reasons briefly. Um, so of the about 1 billion uh, ISK that Strato received um, during the pandemic, 900 million was the uh, annual recurring state contribution. And then 100 million of that was uh, kind of extra funding uh, for COVID relief. But significantly, uh, the last time the state contribution to Strato was assessed was in 2012. Um, and the state contribution is not indexed to inflation. Uh, so that means that in terms of the real contribution uh, to Strato, it is receiving uh, less money every year. Uh, and especially at this moment, uh, when we're seeing much higher than average uh, inflation rates uh, coming out of COVID, uh, this is actually pretty significant. Um, it's worth noting, though, that the state contribution is going to be reassessed, uh, I believe, within the coming year. Uh, so there are hopes for some increased uh, level of support. It's not totally clear at this moment what level. But additionally, uh, there was a rather interesting report by ASE, uh, the Confederation of Labor here in Iceland, that compared state contributions to, to, to public transportation. And, you know, in this case, that really just means strato. Um, to electric vehicle subsidies. And so if you kind of compare the 1 billion ISK that uh, the state contributed to Strato last year, we see that in the last couple of years that the state has actually contributed 9 billion kroner in total uh, to electric vehicle subsidies. Um, and so clearly this is happening against the background of the energy transition. Um, but some critics have pointed out that these electric vehicle subsidies um, are going to overwhelmingly benefit people who are in higher income brackets uh, and who may in some ways uh, already be in positions uh, to buy these EVs. On average, actually, every electric vehicle sold in Iceland is subsidized with 1.1 million kroner of state money, and every plug-in hybrid is actually subsidized with around 900,000 kroner. So these are actually pretty significant state contributions to private vehicles, um, and so some have pointed out the ways in which state contributions are kind of overwhelmingly favoring private transportation over public. Right. And these uh, disproportionate numbers are probably especially damning after last year's uh, report stating that uh, support for electric vehicles, direct financial support for uh, uh, electric vehicles was one of the least economically beneficial uh, things the government could be doing. Uh, for the environment. Yes. So that report also had some interesting points about the demographics of Strato users. You know, so Strato is definitely not unique in this regard um, in that it is overwhelmingly used by lower income earners uh, and various uh, demographics, um, just like many other public transportation systems. I mean, about uh, 30% of Icelanders in the lowest income bracket use Strato daily, uh, compared to 12% from the highest income brackets. And we also see very similar statistics across a lot of other demographics, such as renters, uh, people with disabilities, students, etc. Right, that's interesting. Um, if you go a little bit more into how Strato is actually run. It's run by the municipalities, but it is still a private company, right? Yeah, so it is a municipal association, which is essentially a privately run company owned by the municipalities. Um, the municipalities that own it uh, are Reykjavik, Kópavogur, Hapnafjörður, Garðabæir, Mosvatbæir, Seltjarnes, and Alftanes, 
but of those, Reykjavik by far um, has the most financial obligations towards Strato. And so with some of these problems around Strato recently, some people have, uh, you know, kind of critiqued maybe the democratic nature uh, of this form of organization uh, in Icelandic, Bikta Samlag. Uh, so this would be the municipal association uh, because the service, Strato, that is you know overwhelmingly used by people that live in the more central areas of Reykjavik, um, and Reykjavik also bears uh, higher financial responsibility for Strato, and yet a lot of the decision-making is also uh, being done by suburbanites and people who are using public transportation a lot less, actually. Um, it's also worth just briefly mentioning that of the six members of the board of Strato, four of them are in the center-right uh, independence party, one uh, in the reform party, which is a more kind of, um, you know, market-oriented uh, approach to uh, some of these public services. Um, and um, and it's maybe fair to say that uh, only one slot on the board of directors um, is uh, with a member of the Pirate Party, uh, which has, you know, historically been um, a larger supporter of uh, public services like public transportation. Right. So, but of the munici- six municipalities represented in the board of directors, um, while the financial responsibility is proportionate to um, inhabitants, so is the uh, voting power of its representatives, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so as a bus user myself, let's talk about uh, the thing that has been, you know, the most visible to bus users, how you pay for it, the app. Ah, yes. Yes, uh, so the bus app that uh, most tourists and Reykjavik residents were familiar with uh, for a very long time was Strato, uh, well-named because (laughs) that's just the name of the service. Um, And so... Last year, uh, a new app was introduced called Clap or Clapith. Um, and the introduction of this new app, Clap, uh, was a little bit bumpy, uh, creating a lot of critique. Um, the reason that's been given uh, for the switchover uh, was uh, both security concerns and um, what some in the IT department of Strato have kind of uh, identified as the easy scammability of the previous ticketing system. Uh, so previously, a Strato ticket would essentially just display a camera image and you would show it to the bus driver. Uh, now, CLAP um, has a QR system, so it's kind of verifying uh, in real time uh, through a scanner on the bus uh, that you have a valid ticket, uh, whereas before the ticket on the Strato app was just shown to a bus driver. So this could lead to some misunderstandings and maybe some people abusing the system. But at the same time, they phased out other ways of paying for the bus, right? Yes. So for instance, uh, paper tickets were also phased out. Uh, there was a transition period where um, people could actually mail in previously valid paper tickets and get credit in the app. Um, but as of this year, uh, CLAP is the... It's the only game in town. <laughs> um, it was uh, designed. Well, you can still pay for a bus fare uh, with cash, I believe. Although yes. the recent price hike has made that a little bit more difficult. Yes, it is a little bit more annoying because previously you could pay for it with just you know uh, like a five hundred bill, uh, and that was easy enough. Although you didn't get the the ten kroner back. Um, but now at you know five hundred fifty, it is 
admittedly a little bit more annoying. <laughs> right, because the bus drivers don't give change. No, yeah, so you need to have exactly 550 or waste a thousand kroner. <laughs> so what happened when they implemented the new app? Yeah, so for a while, there were a lot of red frowny faces around Reykjavik. Um, the bus scanner would often uh, kind of read an invalid ticket because of various problems with the system. Uh, for the most part, these problems have been ironed out. But uh, something that was only reintroduced recently uh, was a bus tracking feature. Uh, so previously, a very popular feature of the Strato app was the ability to see buses in real time on the app. And so in this way, you didn't have to rely on the timetable. Uh, you know, maybe if the bus was running a couple minutes late, you could actually see where it was and kind of time your uh, your trip to the bus stop uh, based on that. Uh, and Clap actually lacked this feature for a very long time. And, and it if was, I remember uh, correctly, they asked people to just keep the old app on their phones as well. Yes. So it is obviously a rather funny uh, position to be in where you are replacing the app and yet asking uh, riders to keep both for a while. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, it was also just a kind of difficult time uh, for the transition period from the old app to the new app because this was also during COVID, right? And so the bus system also just had much lower ridership than usual. Uh, bus ridership in Iceland peaked right before COVID. Uh, so 2019, 2020, um, and then right as COVID hit, you know, we see this kind of collapse in public ridership numbers. So this is also, you know, meaning that there is a large loss in revenue. And so, you know, it was kind of hard for Strato to really tell, uh, looking at the numbers, you know, if people are just riding the bus less just because of COVID or if there's something about the app. So, you know, there was just a lot of kind of confusion during both this transition period and also... COVID's effect on, on public transportation. Right. Um, so we talked a lot about the issues uh, facing Strato, but what's um, on the horizon? Are there is there anything? Are they working on uh, fixes, implementing new changes? Yeah, so I mean, while we're talking about CLAP uh, and payment systems, I mean, it is worth noting that there were also recently problems with the scanner's uh, working, uh, like there are problems with the system. Um, they are being replaced uh, at the expense of the provider, actually, so this won't affect the, uh, the Strato budget. And a very requested feature uh, that Strato is reintroducing, um, or rather introducing, um, is just the ability to pay uh, with a credit card directly on the scanner. Uh, so now both visitors to Iceland and also residents will be able to just pay for a single ticket or a monthly ticket, I believe, uh, just directly with their credit card at the scanner. So um, if we take a little step back uh, from the current issues plaguing the Strato system, um, Obviously, we're going to need a public transportation system in uh, the growing city that Drigavik is. Do you have any thoughts on uh, where we're headed or where we should be headed? Uh, yes, several. Um, you know, so it is a little bit tricky in Iceland uh, just because, you know, given the nature of the kind of you know, so you have one major urban area that's pretty densely settled, um, and then you have rural Iceland, which is very sparsely settled. So, you know, there is always going to be a certain reliance on private vehicles in Iceland that you're never maybe going to totally overcome. 
Um, and yet, I think that there is a lot of room for improvement with Strato. Um, you know, one of these directions that we've also kind of briefly briefly mentioned is Borgalina. Um, and so this is a kind of new rapid bus transit system. Um, they are beginning what they call visible construction on it uh, in the coming year, I believe. And uh, there's been a lot uh, of work done recently with just like obtaining the permits for these things because um, it's going to require basically building bus-only lanes um, for a lot of the road system in Iceland. Um, and, you know, I mean, in my completely editorial opinion, I think that often we are kind of looking for, you know, more futuristic solutions. Um, but, you know, what the last year, year and a half has maybe really shown us um, is that one of the really important things is just funding, right? Um, and it's maybe a little bit boring to talk about, uh, but some of these really big budget deficits uh, in Strato really matter. Um, and if it's already kind of difficult to fully fund our existing public transportation system, uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, kind of building new uh, futuristic sounding systems is, you know, maybe not the thing that we should actually be prioritizing. But, you know, uh, ultimately what is needed is more buses. People need to be able to know that they can rely on the bus, that they can take it to work every day without missing it. Uh, because the second a system becomes unreliable enough where you kind of question it, you stop using it. Because even if the bus is on time most of the time, if it really matters and you need to be on work, like you, like you need to get to work at a very certain time, um, you know, you're going to stop taking it. You're going to look for other methods. So the bus system can work most of the time. It can work pretty well. But if it's not perfect, if it's not great, uh, people will stop using it. And like a lot of this has to do with funding. Like the bus needs to run more often. It needs to be more regular. And ultimately that means more drivers, more buses, and more funding. I think those are great words to end this uh, on. Uh, thank you, Eric. Thank you. So, to end this on a lighter note, let's hear a question from our readers. Um, for this episode, uh, the question is, why is the sand black? Um, Iceland's uh, famous beaches, such as Reynisfjörður Black Beach, um, are striking in photographs. Uh, but why is it like that? Well, that is a good question. Um, a lot of people might already know that this has something to do with volcanic activity. Uh, for instance... There are a lot of uh, very famous, iconic beaches in Hawaii as well uh, that have uh, these these volcanic black sand beaches. Um, and so this distinctive black sand uh, comes from basalt fragments. Uh, basalt is one of the most common uh, volcanic rocks that's formed um, uh, in volcanic eruptions. About 90% uh, of rocks that are formed by volcanic activity are basalt. And so... What often happens is as the basalt is kind of flowing towards the ocean, uh, it'll hit the water and this really, really quick cooling that happens, um, you know, basically makes it shattered like glass. Um, so you have this really hot lava going into the sea. It cools down really, really quickly. Uh, you have this shattering that happens uh, and it creates a lot of really small fragments. And over time, these fragments are eroded in the seawater by the coast and it turns into sand. 
Um, basalt contains uh, a couple different different chemical compounds uh, that give it this kind of distinctly dark gray blackish color. Uh, some of the most important ones are augite and pyroxene minerals. Um, and what often happens in a lot of different parts of the world is you'll have a volcanic eruption uh, and it actually creates a temporary black beach. Um, and then, you know, you have this basalt, you have this erosion. And then over time, you know, I mean, hundreds of years, maybe uh, it gets worn away um, and, you know, just kind of normal sand replaces it. Uh, but because Iceland is still so volcanically active, the volcanic beaches here are, you know, renewed very often. Um, so, yes, uh, in Iceland, we have pretty much all black sand beaches. There are, however, a couple exceptions. Uh, Reithesandur, for instance, is a well-known beach in the West Fjords, uh, famous for its rusty red color. So actually, uh, not all beaches in Iceland uh, are, are black sand. Deep North is the official podcast of Iceland Review, the oldest continuously running English-language publication on Iceland, covering community, nature, and culture. If you enjoyed listening, please consider subscribing to Iceland Review at our website.